Live from Nashville, Tennessee, this is the Campfire Cafe on the Equestrian Legacy Radio Network. Stand up, I'm talking about Texas, the greatest state the world has ever known. You can wear your boots and hat, no matter where you're at, from Amarillo down to San Antonio. And for the Cowboy boots and fancy western clothes Cowtown is where he landed Now he's been branded And this Lone Star State has captured his soul Stand up, I'm talking about Texas The greatest state the world has ever known You can wear your boots and hat No man Sometime. He has got such oh, be, yeah. 
Oh, yeah. Such, <laughs> such, such a broad range of of great movies that he's been in. Mm-hmm. My favorite, mm-hmm. my favorite movie is still Conagher. And um, oh, okay, that was just a great movie. He was the stage driver in that, but uh, absolutely great movie. But it'd be fun to talk with Barry, I think. It would be. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, we have a fun, fun, fun show lined up today. Tell us who our first guest is. Well, we have Carolyn Sills on the line. Um, she joins us on Campfire Cafe, and then we've got a great guest for Saddle Up America. Who's joining us in the second hour? Mr. Sean Farnsworth is going to be joining us on Saddle Up America, and he is the U.S. Cavalry National Champion. And uh, I didn't even know about the U.S. Cavalry Association or all the different equestrian events that they have, but it's going to be fun talking with Sean on Saddle Up America. But uh, I'm looking forward. I know you've done much more research on that than I have, so we're going to let you (laughs) jump in on that second hour. I just bopped around their website for a bit, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, gosh. But anyway, we're we're looking forward to talking with Carolyn Sills. She has a great CD out. That will be coming out. It's going to be available November 1st. It's called Return to El Paso. And uh, I have a feeling that Marty Robbins might have been an influence in her musical career. <laughs> what do you think? Uh, Marty Robbins and uh, anyone Marconi. Uh, we got to also tip our hats to the Spaghetti Westerns, and Carolyn will talk about that. <laughs> All right. Well, let's take a listen to El Paso by Marty Robbins right now. And when we come back, we're going to be talking with Carolyn Sills today on the Campfire Cafe on the Equestrian Legacy Radio Network. Out in the West Texas town of El Paso, I fell in love with a Mexican girl. Nighttime would find me in Rose's cantina, music would play and Felina would whirl. Blacker than night were the eyes of Felina, wicked and evil while casting a spell. My love was deep for this Mexican maiden I was in love but in vain I could tell One night a wild young cowboy came in Wild as the West Texas wind Dashing and daring a drink he was sharing With wicked Felina, the girl that I love So in anger I challenged his right for the love of this maiden Down put his hand for the gun that he wore My challenge was answered in less than a heartbeat The handsome young stranger lay dead on the floor Out through the back door of roses I ran Out where the horses were tied Like it could run up on its back and away I did ride Just as fast as I could from the west Texas town of El Paso Out to the badlands of New Mexico 
Back in El Paso, my life would be worthless. Everything's gone in life, nothing is left. It's been so long since I've seen the young maiden. My love is stronger than my fear of death. I saddle up and away I did go, riding alone in the dark. Tonight nothing's worse than this pain in my heart And at last here I am on the hill overlooking El Paso I can see Rosa's cantina below My love is strong and it pushes me onward Down off the hill to Polina I go Off to my right I see five mounted cowboys Off to my left right a dozen or more Shouting and shooting I can't let them catch me I have to make it to Rose's back door Something is dreadfully wrong for I feel A deep burning pain in my side Though I am trying to stay in the saddle I'm getting weary, unable to ride But my love for the leader is strong And I rise where I fall Though I am weary, I can't stop to rest I see the white puff of smoke from the rifle I feel the bullet go deep in my chest From out of nowhere, Polina has found me Kissing my cheek as she kneels by my side Cradled by two loving arms that I'll die for One little kiss and Felina Campfire Cafe on the Equestrian Legacy Radio Network. We just heard the Western music classic El Paso, released in 1959, written and performed by Marty Robbins. This song has been recorded by countless performers across many music genres and has inspired a new recording project by today's guest, Carolyn Sills and the Carolyn Sills Combo. Good Times Magazine has this to say about Carolyn Sills. Powerhouse, Carolyn Sills is a real deal of throwback country music. She has enough soul, heart, style, and swag to convince audiences and listeners that they may have been transported to an era where country swing rules the waves, juke joints with a place to be, and heartache had a kick like a mule. Their albums are packed from start to finish with all the lonesome wails, tongue-in-cheek humor, and late-night reflection you'd expect from a classic country gem. Having had the pleasure of experiencing this multi-talented five-piece spaghetti western swing band several times, I can tell you firsthand you don't want to miss their live show, and they may be coming to a music venue near you. Touring through the Midwest right now, the Carolyn Sills Combo Live show is chock full of three-part vocal harmonies, dueling guitar, and non-pedal steel instruments, and tight arrangements of their own distinct style of Americana music. 
Their third album, Return to El Paso, is slated for release November 1st and is a dramatic reimagining of a time-honored country classic we just heard, Marty Robbins' El Paso. The Carolyn Sills combo creates a vivid backstory of that evening in El Paso told from the perspective of each of its characters. Gary and I are thrilled to have Carolyn joining us today to share the music and the backstory of this much-anticipated and newest recording project, Return to El Paso. Please welcome to Campfire Cafe, winner of the 2018 Ameripolitan Award, Award for Best Western Swing Group and with her husband, Gerard, both recent inductees into the Western Swing Hall of Fame. Welcome, Carolyn. Good morning. Bobby, Jean, I wish I could wake up every morning to that introduction. That's amazing. (laughs) (laughs) I'll record it for you. (laughs) You just listen to the the podcast. Yeah, just listen to the podcast. (laughs) How are you doing, Carolyn? I'm fantastic. Thank you so much for having me on the show. Well, great to have you with us. So this is a fun, fun CD, and uh, uh, we're looking forward to its release on November 1st. But tell us a little bit about the project itself. How did it come to be? Oh, I'm happy to. So I think like most people, you know, I grew up listening to El Paso a lot. Uh, My dad was a big fan of that song, and so it was often being played in the car or at home. Um, And for me as a little kid, I would – often visualize the story in my head, you know, see Marty Robbins come through the door of Rose's Cantina, you know, see Felina flirting with the men and see him shoot the handsome young stranger. And, and it was just one of those beautiful, you know, sonic novels that I would uh, play over and over. And um, so one day I thought, you know what, what if I took all those characters that I know so well now and uh, wrote songs for them all kind of with their perspective of what happened that night um, in, in Marty's song. So that was what we did. And uh, we wrote five tunes based on various characters, and uh, we're pretty proud of it. Well, you should be. You should be. Thanks, it is ab- absolutely great, absolutely great. But um, matter of fact, I think I want to go ahead and get to the the number one song on the CD, and that is Felina. And uh, how did you put yourself into her character when you wrote this song? Well, to me, she's such a strong, you know, female character. Um, You know, Marty often mentions how wicked she is and, you know, the looks in her eye. I mean, you get that notion that she knows exactly what she's doing and and she's able to, you know, play everybody in that cantina, you know, as as much as she wants. So, you know, for me, I wanted to write a song from his perspective, maybe that morning uh, before everything went down um, and, you know, the, the shootout happened of pleading with her, you know, please, if you just don't go to the cantina tonight, I can't take much more of, of your flirtations and, and I might do something with my jealous rage. So that, that was kind of the backstory for this first track called Felina. Well, let's take a listen to that and come back and talk more with Carolyn Sills and Bobby Bell today on the Campfire Cafe. Oh, Felina, don't go to roses tonight. I got a feeling that cantinas do for a fight. Oh, Felina, those men don't care that you're mine. They only care that you're dancing one dime at a time. Oh, Felina, I 
Carolyn Sills <laughs> and the Carolyn Sills combo from the soon-to-be-released. You need to order it now. Uh, return to El Paso. Carolyn, um, this is such great music. <laughs> well, thank you. Thank you so much. It's uh, so, so fun. Um, in the intro, I do did use the term a spaghetti western swing, and um, I would love you to share with our listeners what the heck do you mean by that, and how <laughs> how did you all come come upon that term for yourselves? That's a great question. I mean, we've always been fans of you know those classic spaghetti western movies, Clint Eastwood movies, you know, any Morcone stuff. Um, so for us, you know, being just such visual people, I mean, we always wanted to create music that invoked, you know, the vastness of that landscape, the the intensity of of those shots in those movies of you know people's eyes and the stories of the of the the hero and the villain and the woman and you know to me it's just to be able to create a song that uh, that puts that all into the listeners' ears is uh, is a is a real real treat for us. So we've written a few songs over the years, original songs that we always felt like you know could potentially be in the spaghetti western soundtrack and um we kind of parlayed that into this new marty robbins project in the sense of trying to make something really visual for people that as they're listening they can hear the story and they can see it all happening in their head just like i did as a kid with marty robbins songs mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and um what do you 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 guys are so fun to watch perform obviously Thank the music you. recorded yeah the recorded music you know, we all need to have you in our in our music library and be listening to now three CDs regularly. But there's something so fabulous about your live performances. I'm I'm list, if you're listening out there and you can see them live, you have got to see this group. What do you all love about performing together? Well, I think we're just so lucky. Um, the five of us, you know, we get along so great. You know, both just you know as friends and also as musicians. Um, you know, we play off each other really well. We all listen really well. And, and for us, to be honest, I mean, we just so enjoy being up there and playing live for people, getting people dancing, uh, getting people, you know, singing along. And so to create that moment. And, you know, we realize there's a lot of distractions these days with TV and our and our phones and everything else. So, you know, we so value people that still go out and see live shows and we want to give them the best time possible. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Gary, do you have a, do you have a comment or question? Yeah, I was going to ask. What's it like to be traveling as much as you are right now? Because you're in the middle of a pretty heavy tour schedule right now. I was looking yeah. at your tour schedule, and I mean, it's like one show after another in another town. And what's it like to be traveling and on the road? Um, I mean, we love it. I mean, you know, we've it's been about two years now that we've started a tour outside of California. So I'm sure some people would say, give it a couple more, and we might not be enjoying it as much as we are, but. Uh, we all get along great. Yeah, we love to be, you know, we love being on the road. You know, Gerard, my husband, and guitar player loves driving. Um, so that makes it nice for everybody else to be able to hang back in the van. Um, but it's wonderful. I mean, I think it's the best way to see the country is to be able to play and meet people in different towns and, you know, bring a show to them. And, you know, we always try to find, you know, spots that are unique to that city, you know, to get, get lunch or to see some landmarks, that kind of thing. We've been able to see some, you know, Buffalo Bills resting spot and some, you know, famous old museums and, you know, things that we might never have known had we not been, you know, just driving cross country. So it, mm-hmm. it's been wonderful. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Do you have a favorite location so far that you've toured and played uh i would say favorite i mean they're all different um we got as far east as 
Nashville last year, or no, this year, actually. Um, and right now we're in the Midwest. Um, we've, we did a lot of driving this past week, went from California to Colorado through Kansas, and now we're in Missouri and uh, heading to Illinois tomorrow. So um, it's nice to now play the Midwest. I'm actually, I was born in Chicago, so this is, you know, actually the first time I'm playing my home city, which is pretty fun after all these years. Um, yeah. And so, yeah, yeah, we, we just love it. I mean, we, we're hoping to you know, travel the whole country eventually, you know, get to the East Coast maybe next year and, and I'll just go from there, you know, um, but so far so good. And uh, the audiences have been great. And we really just appreciate people wanting to check out our music and getting excited about the Marty Robbins project. <laughs> yeah. Well, I missed yeah. you in Nashville. I was thinking about I that. Know, this I know. Yeah. I was sitting in the emergency room with my mother. Well, she's doing okay right now. But uh, I was so disappointed not to be able to see you guys performing in Nashville. I was like I was sitting in the in the emergency room, and I think you could have waited and done this tomorrow night instead of tonight. But <laughs> <laughs> well, she we'll had no choice. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, she had no yeah. choice. But anyway, yeah. well, we want to get to the handsome young stranger. Tell us about the handsome young stranger. Sure. So to me, he's such a unique character in the story. Um, you know, when Marty Robbins comes through the bar and he sees, um, you know, wild as a West Texas wind, you know, hand, dashing and daring a drink he was sharing with Wicked Felina, the girl that I love. And um, and then he, you know, challenges him to a, a gunfight and shoots him down. And that's what makes Marty run out the back door and take off for, for the Badlands of New Mexico. So that character is really only present in the song just for a few lines. And uh, so we thought to ourselves, well, what's his backstory and, um, you know, we actually referenced uh, Marty Robbins' other two songs in the trilogy of El Paso uh, that not, not everyone is as familiar with. Um, he wrote Felina from El Paso and El Paso City. And actually in Felina from El Paso, he discusses, um, you know, the time she's been in El Paso, that she came from Santa Fe before that, uh, that there might have been another gentleman involved. So we kind of played off of, of Marty's backstory there and wrote a character, you know, on his way to Rose's Cantina to, to end things with Felina, to break up with her because he's heard rumors that she's running around with this other cowboy in town. So we kind of set the stage for this jealous love triangle and trying to give a little bit more depth to, to this handsome young stranger that just gets shot um, that one night in Marty's tune. So, so that was kind of our, our motivation for this one. Now, is this Gerard that's uh, singing the lead on this? Yes, Gerard is my handsome young stranger. Well, let's take a listen to her handsome young stranger sing this song, The Handsome Young Stranger, and it is from the soon-to-be-released CD, Return to El Paso.
Albuquerque, November 13th through 17th for IWMA, the International Western Music Association. Join us at Hotel Albuquerque at Old Town for a fun-filled week listening to great music artists and cowboy poets. It all begins on Wednesday with a kickoff luncheon with Red Stegall and a Western Swing Dance and then concludes on Sunday with a gospel concert. The time between is filled with showcases, concerts, the annual award show, and workshops. For tickets and more information, go to our website, westernmusic.org. We'll see you in Albuquerque. See in Albuquerque, that's coming up in November, and uh, I, I will admit my finger punched the button just a little bit before that last song ended, but <laughs> Gerard did a great job on that. Thank you. Yeah, it wasn't very hard. I said, just pretend you're a handsome young man, and he did his best. <laughs> he didn't have to pretend too hard, Aww. did he? <laughs> No, he did great. Yeah, we were actually joking that we didn't realize that he whistles on every one of our albums. It just worked out that way. He's a fantastic whistler. So, um, but yeah, we wanted to evoke kind of a you know he's riding in the dark on his horse, you know, on his way to to break up with the love of his life, and uh, you know we wanted to invoke that that uh, feeling in that song. And I think he did a great job. He did a great job on that. The entire CD is great, and. Uh, Thank uh, you. You know, again, this is coming out November 1st. I believe you can go ahead and pre-order that now if you'd like to. And, uh, yeah. yeah, yeah. So it'll all ship about November 1st, and people are going to yeah, love that. Yeah, love for people to do that. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. So there's another song that has an interesting title to it. And uh, ah. not not at all what I was expecting from this. I'm not crying. I've just rubbed jalapenos in my eyes. <laughs> they have such fun. They're so funny to aren't they? <laughs> oh. yeah. How did you come up with this title? 
Uh, well, to be honest, that that title kind of started this whole project. Um, I am I am a very frequent, um, you know, person who sticks jalapenos in my eyes when I've been cutting and cooking them. So, oh, <laughs> yeah, that hurts. Yeah. That, that yeah, that I always forget to remind myself to to keep my hands away. But regardless, yeah, me, I, I wrote that song because um, I really wanted to write a tune about Felina that really showcased her, you know, her wickedness and her, you know, the femme fatale. Um, you know, character that she was. Um, and so for me, like, here she is at Rosa's Cantina. She has this handsome young stranger that used to be a love in her life coming to end things with her. And so in my mind, I was thinking, you know what? She's so crafty. I bet I bet this was a setup. I bet she told him to stick around because she knew Marty Robbins would be coming through that door, and she knew that if he saw her flirting with him, uh, that he would take it into his own hands um, to do something about it. And that would be her way of getting back at this guy that, decided that uh, he didn't want to have anything to do with her anymore. So I wrote this song and thinking a strong woman like her would never admit that she's upset or weak. Um, so maybe mm-hmm. just saying, well, she's not crying. She's just, she's just rubbing jalapenos in her eyes. That's all. <laughs> in my house is the onion, but you know, I get it. <laughs> Same effect. Yeah. Different. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Well, this is a great song. I'm not crying. I've just rubbed jalapenos in my eyes and is from the soon to be released El Paso return to El Paso. You're listening to Equestrian Legacy Radio Network's Campfire Cafe with our special guest today, Miss Carolyn Sills. I'm not crying. There's not much about you to I'm not crying 
eyes. <laughs> From the oh, Duke Baby Lee CD, Return to El Paso. Carolyn, I had a lot of fun. Um, you have a Kickstarter campaign uh, that's got a couple weeks left um, on it. And uh, one of the fun things about just reading everything to, to the backstory is wonderful photographs that you've included there, including one of, I guess I'll call it sort of the inspiration table. Um, oh, yeah, yeah. Can you tell us a little bit about, that. do you, yeah, and do you do that with, did you do that, do you do that with a CD project, or is it something that came to you for this one? Uh, well, this one was, of course, a little bit special just because of the Marty theme, and, you know, we have a lot of Marty Robbins on vinyl, and, um, you know, to be in the studio for, we actually recorded that just over two days, um, but we hold up in the studio in Joshua Tree, California, and uh, we just really wanted to set a mood for everybody just to get, you know, we wanted to be in that desert landscape. And then also once we were inside the studio, um, just to have a lot of, you know, Marty Robbins inspiration around, um, you know, we like to think he would have approved of this project and uh, just to have him looking down on us and, you know, setting the stage for a, a comfortable setting is, is real important for everyone to, to do their best with the recording. So, yeah, we have a lot of pictures on our Kickstarter of, of the location we were at in Joshua Tree and the, the recording process itself. And yeah, we'd love for people to check that out. Yes, and you worked with, um, tell us about Sylvia Massey. I, I wasn't familiar with her. My goodness. Tell us a little bit how you yeah. met and how she got involved. She's fantastic. Yeah, she's a you know world-renowned producer and engineer. Uh, she's worked with many, many artists, um, you know, Johnny Cash, uh, Tom Petty, Prince, um, you know, a lot of some rock and um, metal bands as well. But we were lucky enough to get introduced to her. Um, I was kind of joking with a gentleman I knew in the industry about, he said, well, who would you like to produce this record? Because Gerard and I have always done our own production for the last two. Um, and I just said, well, you know, we'd love to get someone like, you know, Rick Rubin to, to capture like what he did with Johnny Cash on that Unchained album. And he's like, well, I happen to know, to know the second best thing. And it, Sylvia was uh, his assistant on that and worked side by side with him. And so we got introduced and just hit it off immediately. She's such a, a fun, you know, personable and, um, you know, wonderful woman to work with. And, uh, you know, similar to me, she's, you know, she's all business and she really just, she she knew exactly what we wanted to do. And, and she was able to navigate us through that two day session just to get everything done in a short amount of time. And, and we just really appreciated how much she understood the project and, and how it meant to us and what it meant to us. And, uh, was able to put it all together so it was absolutely wonderful to work with her you know real real professional did you uh were all five you were all did you record it live were you tell it will you tell us about how you recorded it i guess that's my question <laughs> yeah we prefer to all record yeah together in a big room you know we all like to be able to look at each other and play off each other i think that's part of you know what you said you like about our live shows just to be able to you know feed off each other's energy and you know if we were all in separate rooms or you know, had our, our heads down and couldn't see each other, I don't think we'd be able to, to capture what we do. Uh, so we were all in the same room, all playing together, um, and that made it, you know, even more special. I think, you know, for me, recording, you know, I, I never want to beat a song to death. You know, I feel like you, you get the best stuff in the first one or two takes, and, um, you know, you get that energy and that excitement, you know, and that nervousness, and I feel like it's always good to capture that, you know. I mean, you can, you can never be perfect. I feel like as long as you're yourself, that's all that really matters. So for us just to get out there and do it um, all together and being able to, you know, create eye contact and, and just have that excitement of all being in the same room was really important. Yeah. I like was that. I think yeah. too many, too many recordings now have to be perfect before they get them out. 
And, uh, you know, they don't record together and it's, you know, you cut your piece over here and you cut your piece in this state and send it all in Mm -hmm. and we'll mix it and master it. I like that. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. I realized a long time ago that, you know, as long as we're being genuine and being ourselves and then it's right, you know, perfect is something you can never, never achieve and nor would you really want to, you know, because then you might be getting outside of what is your natural realm and your natural performance ability so i'm really mm-hmm, proud of it mm-hmm. i think you know it, it mm-hmm. definitely sounds like us and it's um you know it, it, it's still fun to listen to you know we kind of just started getting this stuff back recently so, so we're really we're really happy with it well it's great with the, i just wanted to ask quickly because i think you used yeah. a special microphone did you use a special microphone too did she did she suggest um, some special equipment yeah, to be um I wish I had all of it in front of me. Yeah, I mean she's a microphone guru and she knew that the nice thing about her is that she knew that we wanted to do like a you know, pay homage to Marty but more in the context and in the songs, not necessarily in the um you know, in the re- recording style. We didn't need this to sound like a recording from nineteen fifty nine. You know, we wanted it to be modern but we wanted to make sure that it was uh you know, it sounded like us and sounded like a modern record, you know, because I don't want people yeah, that yeah. um you know don't listen to that stuff to to not want to listen to this record thinking it's just a throwback album you know we want to bring marty right. into the new age so yeah, <laughs> yeah. well speaking of throwback you are you're actually going to uh it sounds like you've got company in the room with you it sounds no, sorry about that. <laughs> you you actually are going to do this on vinyl as well have you done any of your other CDs on vinyl, or is this the first time? No, yeah, this is very exciting for us. You know, we, we're big vinyl record collectors, and, you know, we love buying, you know, we have a bunch of old vinyl, but we also love buying vinyl from, from new artists as well, and it's real real, real exciting for us to have our own, you know, our own album on, on vinyl records. So, yeah, that's part of our Kickstarter, too. You can pre-order the vinyl, and a special thing we did with that is that, you know, since this is a five-song album, you know, we debated to do a 10-inch or 12-inch um you know, but we did a 12-inch, and we're doing a, one side is the whole Return to El Paso album, and then the other side is uh, a handful of our Spaghetti Western songs from a previous album we did, Dime Stories Volume 2, which you guys have been so nice to play in the past. And yeah, uh, so to great. be able to hear those songs on vinyl, you know, for the first time is, is pretty exciting. So anyone that orders the vinyl kind of gets that, that bonus of, of a few of our, our Spaghetti Western songs on the B side, which is real exciting. Well, it is pretty cool. It is pretty cool. Thank so, you. Uh, Thank you. it seems more and more artists are starting to go back to vinyl, which means some of us are going to have to go and buy a, a record player. <laughs> I know. Yeah, I think it's, I've I've read some articles that it's even you know starting to eclipse some CD sales, which is fantastic. It's a great way to listen to live wow. music. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, another great song from the CD is one called "Hold Your Horses." And uh, this was just a really, really fun song. Tell us about this one. Yeah, so, you know, we've talked about all these, you know, human characters in the song, but I could never forget that one of the most important characters is the horse that Marty steals when he runs out the back door of Rose's Cantina. So, you know, that line, you know, out, you know, he just shot the handsome young stranger. He takes a moment to realize what he's done, and he realizes he needs to get out of there. Uh, So he runs out the back door, and he saw a good one. It looked like it could run up on its back and away I did ride. 
And so I decided, you know, what, what got that horse to Roses that evening? You know, who brought the horse there? Whose horse was it? Uh, so we wrote this whole song uh, based on the backstory of that horse and how he got to Roses that night. And we tie in a little bit of another Marty Robbins tune, uh, Strawberry Roan, into this song as well, which I was always a big fan of. So Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's, that is absolutely great. Well, let's listen to Hold Your Horses. This is the Carol and Sills combo. We're talking with Carol and Sills today on the Campfire Cafe, Cafe, and we'll be back in just a moment. Hold your horses. Thank you yeah. so much. 
Yeah. Um, yeah, that was fun. That was Sylvia's idea at the end. The, she's like, I think a horse needs to be running away at the end of the song. And so she said, mm-hmm. get on some blocks yeah. and, uh, and ride that horse out into the sunset. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's so cool. That is so cool. Well, wh- where are you touring? Where are you to- tonight? Uh, tonight we are at Knuckleheads in Kansas City, Missouri. And um, and then tomorrow we head to Springfield, Illinois to play a, a Anvil and Forge brewery. And uh, then we're heading to a, a smaller town that's doing a little opry called the Hogshoot Opry in uh, wow. in Illinois. And then up to Chicago um, for a fun show with the guys of uh, the Chicago honky tonk scene. So yeah, it's, it's really nice. Um, the weather's been good. It's nice and crisp. And you know, I'm from Illinois, so it's nice to get back to back to my roots. Yeah, I bet it is. I bet it is. First time you've played Chicago. I know. Yeah, it's going to be kind of a strange, awkward reunion, but it'll be fun. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's great. Well, this is a great, great CD. I know everybody's looking forward to its release November the 1st. And again, you can pre order that now. Give us your website. Oh, sure. It's just my name, com. And uh, there you can watch some live videos of the songs, and you can uh, click the link to go to the Kickstarter, and you can see a bunch of photos and backstory, and, and we got CDs and vinyl and T-shirts uh, and everything for available for pre-order. We'd really appreciate the support. All right. Well, you guys are absolutely – you do such great videos. I love your videos. Oh, thank you. Oh, yeah. Thank you. Yeah, yeah you did yeah, several yeah. of those in Nashville this last time? Yeah, we did. We did a couple live videos uh, with the folks at LR Bags. Um, they recorded um, the I'm Not Crying, I've Just Read Jalapenos in My Eyes, and, and Felina. Uh, and that was really fun to do. They just set up a couple cameras, and we did the whole song just live in the takes, and um, and we captured that, which was wonderful. So it's, it's really nice to have that, and that's, that's on our website as well. All right, so visit the website. That's carolynsills.com. Uh, visit their Facebook page, and uh, and for me, it's always fun to go to YouTube and try to find video there as well. So, and you've got some oh, good thanks. ones. You Thank have you. got I some good that. ones. Yeah, we'd well, love we're going to gonna... anybody that's a Marty Robbins fan. So that's great. That'd be a lot of folks. That would be a <laughs> lot of folks. <laughs> Yeah. Well, we're going to wrap up this segment of the show with a great song called The Ranger. You want to tell us a little bit about this one, Carolyn? Yeah, so this one is probably the most, you know, descriptive of the actual story of El Paso. So we just got with the horse, and, you know, he ran out the back door, stole the horse, went to the Badlands in New Mexico. And then there, you know, he couldn't take it after a night or two. You know, he was pining for his love for Felina, and he had to get back to her. And so, you know, he starts riding down the hill back from the Badlands in New Mexico. Off to my left, I see five mounted cowboys. Off to my right, ride a dozen or more. So in my mind, I was thinking, so who are these guys? They're probably just hired. They're probably lawmen. And for them, for them, it's just another day's work. You know, there's a guy on the loose who just shot someone in a bar, and he's coming back in a rage on a horse down a hill, and, and they need to take him out. So I wrote this song from the perspective of one of those uh, five mounted cowboys and the one that actually shoots him. Um, right at the end of Marty's song, El Paso. So for me, this is kind of a retelling of the end of El Paso, but from the perspective of of that guy, and we call that the Ranger. Well, that is great. So this is the Ranger. It's from the CD, Return to El Paso. Carolyn Sills, you are always so much fun to have on the show. Oh, thank you, guys. I really appreciate that. Look forward to having you back. Visit carolynsills.com and uh, visit her Facebook page as well. Carolyn, thanks so much. Thank you. 
Mexico From the Badlands he was racing back to life in El Paso He left Belina standing or a man to breathe no more After firing the
since I gave up the fight. But it comes back to me almost every night. I fall asleep to the bawling of the cattle. So why do I wake to hear the sabers rattle? And I traded my McClellan for a saddle with a horn. Spurs and sharp eyelids are my new uniform. The terror of the battle cry sticks like a bad tattoo. The girls in Tombstone who took our cash called us men in blue. Well, I must have rode 10,000 miles on a U.S. horse. Sometimes chasing ghosts, sometimes overwhelming force. Now the territory's open, I'm out here punching cows. I'd put the worst behind me, if only I knew how. And I traded my McClellan for a saddle with a horn. Spurs and sharp eyelids are my like a bad tattoo The girls in Tombstone who took our cash called us Men in Blue The girls in Tombstone who took our cash called us Men in Blue things off on Saddle Up America, and our very special guest today is Mr. Sean Farnsworth, who is the U.S. Cavalry National Champion. But before we get started with Sean, Sean, I just want to say thank you for your service. Oh, you're welcome, sir. How are you doing? That's a great song. I tell you what, I I got a little fired up by her and that. I was like, oh, well, I was thinking about you when I picked that one out, yeah. 
Yeah, we right. love that so song by Randy Houston. Yeah. <laughs> Man, so howdy, everybody. So, so Well, howdy know, to I, you. Gary, I tell you, you know, I, I get that a lot. A lot of people, you know, I, I, I did 20 years active duty, and I did uh, six years in the reserves, so 26 total years of service to my country. And I tell people every day, I said, you know, when you do something that you love and, and – I never worked a day in my life, but, you know, a lot of people say, well, that, that can't be true. And I says, you know, I, I was an infantryman all the way from a private to a first sergeant and, uh, in, in the infantry, and it was everything. I got to do everything I ever wanted to do in the military. Oh, that's great. That is great. Well, I know you've had a long career with the military, but I want to find out, how you got involved with horses to begin with. Okay, so so I grew up in upstate New York up in the Adirondacks. Uh, you know, everybody remembers 1980 uh, when when the, when uh, the uh, we played the Russians on, on ice in Lake Placid. And I grew up about two hours south of Lake Placid in the mountains okay. of the Adirondacks, which, which, you know, a lot of people don't know, but the Adirondacks are part of the Appalachians. So I guess you would call me a northern Appalachian boy. <laughs> the, uh, so, I mean, I grew up hunting and fishing, and we had horses when I was a kid. And they, they were really my sisters. And, you know, so I I was the only one that was really fearless to ride them. My sisters were like, slow down. And I just wanted to go fast. And, you know, that that's, that's where it started. But really, I think... When uh, in 2000, 2003, my daughter was seven years old, and because my sisters had horses and, and she wanted a pony, so I, I bought her her first horse. It was a paint mare. Matter of fact, the same paint mare that I won the national championship off of. Uh, I've had that horse for almost 17 years now. And, wow. Uh, she was green when I got her. She was green when she got her. She, her and I have had uh, some differences in the last few, in the last, in the beginning years, but she came to my way of thinking. <laughs> well, that's a good thing. That is a good thing. <laughs> so, so we're talking about this uh, U.S. Cavalry National Championship. How did you get involved? How did you get involved with that? And and tell us a little bit about what the U.S. Cavalry Association is. Okay, so. So, you know, in my time that I served in the Army, I was a, uh infantry platoon sergeant, and I was uh, I was actually working in the division headquarters at Fort Carson, Colorado, and the command sergeant major for the uh, for the uh, 4th Infantry Division asked me, he says, Sergeant Parsons, do you have horses? I said, yes, sir, Major. He says, he says uh, well, how would you like to take over the cavalry detachment? I said, well, let me go get my boots on. And uh, th- from that point on, I went and ran the uh, the best. And I am a little jaded because uh, they are my alumni, Fort Carson, Mount of Color Guard. I was I, I got to uh, I was the non-commissioned officer in charge for the Mount of Color Guard for Fort Carson, Colorado. And we went out to the uh, as I took it over. They said, "Oh yeah, you got to we were training for the national cavalry competition." I said, "What, what is?" I didn't know what that was. So we started yeah. training for it, and, and, and we went out there, and uh, the 
U.S. Cavalry Association. Uh, they have recently, in the last three years, four years, have moved to uh, Fort Reno, Oklahoma. They were out of Fort Riley, Oklahoma. Uh, the U.S. Cavalry Association is, is a nonprofit organization that preserves and carries on the traditions of the U.S. Cavalry. Uh, they, their, their whole mission is to, uh, like I said, is, is to preserve our, our history as the Army, uh, and it's a, it's a private organization, and the U.S. Cavalry. And being from out west in Colorado and Kansas and, and, and uh, Oklahoma, uh, the western expansion of the United States was, I always tell people, I'm like, you know, the cavalry, the U.S. cavalry secured the western expansion of the United States, and the cowboy did something with it. You know, but yeah. without the cavalry, the cowboy wouldn't be able to do what he did in out west, and, and we wouldn't have cowboy lure that we have today. If it wasn't for the U.S. Cavalry out there doing and securing uh, the personnel moving west, well, that is that is that is true, that is true. So the cavalry had a lot to do with uh, the entire expansion of the west and more. That's right. But uh, how active is it today? Well, they still has been going on since 1976. Uh, active cavalry members, they have an association. Um, and, and anybody wants to, anybody that wants to be a member of the U.S. Cavalry Association, uh, they can call Fort Reno, Oklahoma. Uh, it's right there in El Reno, Oklahoma. It's about 30 minutes west of Oklahoma City, and uh, join the association. And the the we have a lot of participants, and the active. A lot of people don't know that the U.S. Army has about 200 horses or so in the Army inventory. Um, because there's five cavalry detachments in the United States Army. Uh, and that has a lot to do with preserving uh, ceremony, uh, you know, and, and, and the, the, the cavalry is, is, you know, the Navy has their ships at docks and, and stuff like that for museums and stuff, but it is a replication of a time period that the Army, that's, a, that's deep, deep history for the United States Army. So Fort Carson, Colorado, we had about 20 horses uh, and two mules. And then Fort Hood, they have a full complement of platoon. And, you know, they're 1st Cavalry Division, so you know they're going to have a cavalry detachment. And, and they have right. a full detachment, about 40 personnel, uh, 40 horses. Uh, Fort Riley, I would say, I did not see them this year, but they had about, th- they had, when I was in charge of the cavalry detachment, they, they had about 30. And then Fort Irwin, you know, they have a cavalry detachment. That's the 11th ACR uh, Armored Cavalry Regiment out of Fort Irwin, California. They have they have horses also. Uh, and really, what the Army units have is they they do they do demonstrations for the public to represent a time period that was pivotal in the United States Army's history. Um, and we're talking uh, Fort Riley does a Civil War replication of a time period of the Civil War uh, when they're out there, and that was an, actually a, a post uh, during the Civil War. Fort, Fort Hood does Indian Wars. Fort Carson does Indian Wars. Fort Still, they still have the aft section because they're artillery. Uh, they, 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 they still pull a, a, a aft section with the cannon and the, uh, the, the, they pull the gun, and they ride limber. Uh, they do like a World War I. They, they, they represent a World War I time period. And then okay. um, 
Uh, Mr. Irwin does the uh, Spanish American uh, uh, war. Um, so, so everybody does a little bit different, but they're all doing the same thing, and we're we're out there showcasing the army. Like myself, when I was at Fort Carson, we would do cavalry demonstrations at Cheyenne, the National Western Stock Show, Pike Speaker Bus, uh, Klamath Falls in Oregon, and we would do uh, just just showing the people what a McClellan saddle looked like, the uniforms, mm-hmm. uh, the blankets, the weapons, uh, the sabers, and all the pageantry that goes along with it. Oh, that is so cool. That is so cool. Well, I want to get to another song right quickly. And and uh, do you know the name of the most famous cavalry horse? <laughs> that was the horse. Oh, that, that was the survivor. It looked like a horse. There we go. Or, or there we go. Only su- okay, you got it. He's, yeah. he's buried at Portland, Kansas. I've been to his. I've been to his gravesite. All right. Well, this is a song about Comanche. And it's by R.W. Right. Hampton. And we'll come back and we'll talk more with Sean in just a moment on Saddle Up America. The battle was over at last stand and taps were sounding for all the brave men while one lone survivor wounded and weak Comanche the brave horse lay at the general's feet Comanche Go! 
Howdy folks, I'm Butch Hawes, musician, engineer, producer, and owner of the Ranger Station Studio. You know, cowboy poetry records the heartbeat of the working West, a tradition that spans three centuries. Its enduring popularity is evident at cowboy poetry gatherings all across the country, and its presence is a daily occurrence on numerous social media platforms. Leading the way in this unique world of rhyming buckaroos is the Center for Western and Cowboy Poetry and the website CowboyPoetry.com. Together, they celebrate Cowboy Poetry Week and its Outreach Rural Library Program every year in the third week of April. They're committed to serving rural communities and preserving and promoting our nation's Western heritage. So if you're like me, and I know I am, you'll want to find out more at CowboyPoetry.com. And thanks for listening. Right before that um, great announcement, we uh, heard R.W. Hampton's Comanche, and we're chatting right now with Sean Farnsworth. Um, Sean, so nice to have you with us today. <laughs> oh, thank you, ma'am. <laughs> um, I have a couple of questions about the competition, and uh, congratulations. You're the 2019 national champion. Um, what was that like to go through that competition and win at the end? Well, you know, I, I've been going, um, I think I went 2011, 12, 13, I went in 2015, and I've been, I've been, uh, you know, and this year I've been, re- I've been practicing, but what it's like is, it's, it's a, it's, it's like a three-day eventing course mm-hmm. for, for, uh, uh, with weapons. I mean, it, right. it, it I mean, <laughs> Dressage and three-day eventing and all those events—they came from, uh, uh, you know, the Olympics and 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 before the 1950s, um, only a cavalry officer and, and his mount could compete in the equestrian events in Olympics. So I think the last wow. cavalry in in, mm-hmm. in 1939 was the last year that the U.S. competed, uh, the military competed in the Olympics, and I'm sure. Military officers still competed after that, but prior to the 1950s, only cavalry officers could compete. So all these events were all events that a cavalryman had to master. Um, mm-hmm. Even in the uh, you know the 1850s and the 1860s and 70s, from the dragoons to the Civil War and then the Indian Wars, and then later on the Spanish-American War, uh, and then World War One. And of course, then we know that the cavalry, the cavalry was being replaced by motorized and mechanized horses. So what it's like is, is you have to practice your horsemanship. 
the horsemanship mm-hmm. test is a dressage pattern. It's what it is. And, and we have a, we have people that judge dressage and they judge the military horsemanship. So that event, you know, um, it is proper, proper use and techniques of um, all gates of the horse. And you're doing uh, dressage and they want to see collection. They want to see collection of the horse. They want to see that when you ask for a horse on a long rein, that you, you can give him, his, give him or her his head. And, and uh, so it's very similar to dressage. The difference is, is, is uh, you know, it's military horsemanship. And like I said, military horsemanship or dressage came from military horsemanship. And then we have field jumping. Field jumping is the standard for a cavalry horse uh, in all time periods. And, and, and needed to be able to jump at least a three-foot fence. Um, uh, mm-hmm. You know, so we're jumping anywhere from 36 to 39 inches. Uh, oxers and and you know they'll they'll put some different stuff in there like blue tarps or whatever, and, and your horse has to negotiate the course. And then uh, then they'll have uh, what's combat horsemanship. It's very similar to a Western Trail event because it'll be like they'll have an L, and your horse will have to go in and, and back out without touching the boards. You know, hit a, hit a board and side pass all the way across to the right or to the left. Uh, I had to do five lead changes with my horse uh, in the figure eight. And then we'll break out the weapons and then we'll shoot four balloons, onside, offside, onside, offside. And then you'll get a 10-meter circle and then you'll shoot uh, two points of a compass, uh, north and south, pivot your horse. But your horse has to stay inside that circle. And then you'll discount wow. your mm-hmm. horse and then you'll, fire, then you'll fire a rifle and your horse... Uh, you know, and they're judging the horse and you as, as, as you shoot your rifle, they're judging to make sure that that horse doesn't pull. And this, that's a judge's event. Um, and then of course we have the weapons and that saber, a saber course, and then a Same. mounted pistol course. I was curious. Um, those... I'm sorry. When, when I, Sean, when I saw that you took, you took first place in level three in pistol and I was looking at the pictures of, um, um, the balloons uh, and, and the competition. How do you how do you train a horse to not be uh, uh, frightened or you know be jolted by the sun the sound of uh, gunfire? How, how do you how do you get a horse acclimated? Well, believe it or not, it's in the eighteen seventy three cavalry manual how to do it. But it is in the manual, and a lot of people have different techniques. Uh, there at Fort Carson, we would we would uh, um, we would put our junior horses in the middle of a formation, and we would have somebody shooting a weapon. And there's two ways you could do it. You can you can um, you know for every for every you have to reinforce good behavior and then uh, reinforce bad behavior. So if if they move their feet or move the, move out of the formation. And then we would have them do laps around the formation, then put them back in formation. And this is how we did it with our cavalry horses at Fort Carson. So that way, every time they moved their feet, see, we want them to stand in formation while cannon fire and gunfire is going off. And so we wow. train them on that first. And then they figure it out. And if you've got veteran horses on the outside and they're not even reacting, that horse is going to pick up on that. He shouldn't be He shouldn't be blowing up. Now, if you're by yourself, now what I do is, you know, and, and this is right out of the cavalry manual, is they get a big big bucket of sweet feed, all right? I mean, just get sweet feed and have it in the center of a round pen. And uh, you have somebody shoot outside, and then as, as they get closer, now that horse is moving his feet. Then you move his feet, and he can, he works. 
Now, the minute that he doesn't move his feet, and I use it on the lunge line, the minute that he doesn't move his feet or doesn't react to the gunfire, I pull him in and I let him have some, some grain. And every time that he hears that gunfire, he comes and gets some grain. And there's, there's something to that, that when a horse has to relax when they eat. So it does sweet feed or, you know, sweet feed when they eat, when they, when they have just a little bit, it does relax them. And it is positive reinforcement. And then when I feed them grain every day, I've got I've got a pistol up at the barn, and 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 I start from far away, and I shoot, and they, and so every time they're getting grain, they hear a gunfire, they hear gunfire. So yeah, that is initially before I get on them, and then when I do get on them, and we're training a horse, um, you know, you want to shoot, um, you know, ninety degrees or back behind them, and keep their feet moving. The worst thing you can do is shoot off a horse when they're just standing there. Keep them moving their feet. And, you know, they may they may react, and it might get western, but, you know, as, sooner or later that horse is going to become, you know, better and better and better. It's not – you can't just you can't just do it once and think that you can go to a mounted shooting course. You have to shoot on them a lot. Um, you know, and that's, that's, how I, that's how I did it. I could respond to feed. I could respond to some feed right now. <laughs> I definitely could respond right. to feed. <laughs> But that, that actually, the feed is right out of the cavalry manual uh, on how to train uh, uh, green horses to gunfire. And it talks yeah. about putting them in a formation, and then when you shoot, you give them a little handful of uh, sweet feed. So, oh, that's great. So, but there's all different techniques. But it's pressure release, and that's what it is. Is when they when they do right, they get the they, the pressure gets released. So how how difficult was it? I, I've been fascinated by this saber competition. So how difficult was it for you and for the horse to engage in that kind of competition? Well, the thing is, is I tell when I used to train soldiers, and I used to when I, when people. As a matter of fact, we had we had some level one competitors that had never carried a saber on a horse. So when we train, we train with a stick. And, uh, you know, because we don't want short, sharp pointy things for a new rider. We train with a stick. For, um, or st- um, we let them carry the uh, the scabbard. And they practice with a scabbard uh, just so that way they don't hurt themselves. But once you once, it, once you become proficient and, you know, carry saber, it's on your shoulder. And it's up and down. And, and I've had a horse blow up on me with a saber in my hand. And uh, sometimes you got to. I picked, and, and that was a good story because this was at the Army Air Force uh, tailgate party, and I was heading right for the commanding general of Fort Carson and the, the uh, West Point Commandant, and my horse went to full full wet, went full western on me, and I pitched that saber, and, I, and he got me good. There's no bucking swells on him, McCollin, and I, I was <laughs> I was flat on my back. Mm-hmm. So I picked up the saber, I mounted the horse back up, finished the competition, and. Um, so you got to practice. You really have to practice a lot of being able to maneuver your horse with one hand. And uh, uh, guys that rope, they pick it up real easy because they're they're doing they're riding their horse one hand all the time. Um, mm-hmm. You know, you just have to be able to. But if you if you get an emergency situation, you pitch the saber. You get rid of the saber. Yeah, um, yeah. But as far, but also when I train soldiers, I tell them it's like. Have you ever hit a golf ball if you take your eye off the golf ball? And they said, no. Have you ever hit a baseball if you ever took your eye off the baseball? They said, no. 
So why would you take your eye off the saber target when you're swinging a saber? Because gotcha. what they do is they swing at it, but they're trying to ride their horse. I said, you've got to trust your horse that when she's going over a jump or he's going over a jump, you've got to be able to focus on that target, hit the target, and then mull an A, which means to windmill the saber and come right around and, and, and to engage another target. Um, you know, the hand canner in dressage was developed so that way you could fight off of uh, a horse because a horse in a gallop or in a canter, a hand canter, really slow canter, is easier to maneuver than at a trot. So yeah. the French developed it to be able to fight with sabers at a canter. And that's why you see these slow collected canters, so they can actually fight with a saber. Oh, wow. Wow. So mm-hmm. I'm, I'm, I'm thinking about uh, the John Wayne movie, The Searchers. Have you guys seen that? Oh yes, sir. I matter of fact, hey, everybody. Matter of fact, the hot, matter of yeah. fact, where where they crossed the river was filmed in Gunnison, Colorado, where I still have a home in 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 the mountains in Gunnison County, Colorado. Oh, that's cool. Well, I'm thinking about the fact that uh, Patrick Wayne came to get the uh, the uh, Texas Rangers, and um, when they when they <laughs> invaded the you know what I'm talking about. They invaded I know the. Uh, hey boy, he said, hey, "Yeah, boy, get that big shiny knife away from me." Yeah, Patrick Patrick Wayne has got his saber, and then at the end of the thing, as uh, Ward Bond is getting off of his horse and having stitches put in his butt because Patrick Wayne got him with his saber, and uh, so he kept his. He didn't keep his eyes on the target, did he? No, sir. I guess not. See, you know, the funny thing is about that is is that was during the Indian Wars, and the right. difference between Hollywood and 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 the regular. See, they wore their sabers in the Civil War. They wore sabers on the in the Civil War. In in the um, when they went later on in the 1870s and 80s, um, it was common to see the saber attached to the saddle because. Um, you know, they really didn't fight with sabers in the Indian Wars. Uh, the officers would only use them for uh, maneuvering troops because at that time they had revolving pistols. They had revolvers. They had the 1873 Springfield Trap Door. They had Spencers. Uh, and the saber was really a – the fight in the Indian Wars was almost a, uh, a tool that wasn't even used anymore. So they, right. they would attach them to their saddle than on their hip. Um, so there's a little history there. There you go. There you go. Well, Patrick Wayne didn't know that. Yeah. For the for those um, for those listeners that don't know the difference, this is so simple, but don't know the difference between a McClellan saddle and a Western saddle. Could you just quickly uh, describe the the major difference? Yes, ma'am. The McClellan saddle was of a perch, uh, of a, uh, a uh, Prussian design. Um, General McClellan actually looked at uh, a Prussian saddle and then developed the saddle. And the saddle was meant to where it's basically, I mean, if anybody's ever packed horses, it is a, it is a pack saddle with leather on it. It's nothing more than two bars that run on both sides of the, uh, along the loins. And it's meant so that way, Nothing sits on the horse's backbone. And, and 
the McClellan is a really poor saddle for today's horses as far as quarter horses because of its steep design. Uh, the Army rode, rode, rode uh, uh, Morgans, which they were and, and thoroughbreds, and they were steeper. They were steeper and sort of like a semi-quarter horse bar. So the bars really don't fit a quarter horse because a quarter horse has got a flat back. So they, the I have two McClellans. One is in 1904 that was recovered, uh, recovered wow. uh, black leather, and I, I refitted the whole thing to be an Indian Wars model. And then my other one is a Civil War model that has full quarter horse bars, and it was a it's a reproduction that was made by either uh, Sean Biscuzzi or Doug Kidd out of Arkansas. Sean Biscuzzi's out of Texas, and they make McClellans for today's horses. And so when people look at, hey, I've got a McClellan, it's a 1904, and I'm like, hey, you're taking your life in your own hands if you ride if you ride it. So, um, <laughs> you know. I, I do have an original McClellan. I have a 1904 with a horsehair girth. I've got an original Shoemaker bet. You know, I, I am a collector. I am. A, I, I do enjoy the history part of it. So when the when you're competing in these competitions, uh, are you wearing period outfits? We are. We are. That is part of the rules that you have to have a military saddle. And and this is what I tell people. A lot of people don't have. They don't have the McClellan or they don't have, you know, a Jennifer saddle, which looks exactly like a, a, a McClellan, but it has a little teardrop on the back. And that's what the Confederate States use. Uh, it's a brown, uh, you know, a, a, a brown saddle with a little teardrop on the back for a bedroll. It looks like a McClellan, but it's called a Jennifer saddle. They don't okay. or a Hope saddle, which the Rangers used. And, and or, you know, there's a whole bunch of different cavalry saddles. However... If you if people wanted to compete, they could wear a current uniform and ride in an English saddle, and it would be just fine. You know, okay. we've, we've had people that competed in in Army BDUs, ACUs, uh, the desert uniform, and they rode in an English saddle, and and we're okay with that. That that's okay. You know, we don't expect everybody to go get their uh, a full kit and caboodle to go compete. Gotcha, 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 gotcha. So how much do you practice? How much time do you spend practicing for a competition like this one that you just finished? Well, uh, because I, li- I, you know, I live in Alabama, it was hot this summer. Uh, I would yeah. get up at 6 in the morning, and we'd ride for about an hour. And the whole idea of, of just practicing is, is uh, and I learned this a long time ago when I was in the Army, was that, uh, you know, you, you practice each task um, separately. And so I may have a jump set up. I may have a couple of balloons set up or whatever, but I don't practice the whole event. I practice, you know, I'll do my horsemanship pattern. Maybe I'll jump a jump or two. Maybe I'll shoot a balloon or two, you know, but it's about an hour's worth of training, you know, and I temper that with how, how, how legged up my horse is. And, you know, cause you can really overwork them and you can make them sour. Um, right. She seeks out jumps. I mean, she, when, when she clears it, you know, when we're jumping and she knocks over a pole, we'll set it back up and I'll get back on her and we'll go over it again. She knocks it down again and we'll go over it again. And about the third time she figures it out, she jumps and clears the whole thing. And then I get off of her. And I was like, okay, we're done. We're going to end that on a good note. And I put her up in the barn. And so so now she's like, oh, all I got to do is clear all these jumps. And she, she we went through the jump course. And, and, and we went through the jump course. There was only two people out of the whole competition that – 
went through clean, and my mayor was one of them. Wow. 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 I mean, you know, I was not familiar. Yeah, I was not familiar with uh, the uh, competition. And uh, so how, how many of these are held around the country? Okay, so so basically, you know, every September, around the uh, last few weeks of September, around there, we'll have the National Cavalry Competition. Uh, April 23rd, mark your calendars. They're going to have um, they're going to have a regional competition in beautiful San Angelo, Texas, and at Fort Concho. Fort Concho is an, a, another historic fort. Uh, if you're worried about a place to stay, they'll put you up in the barracks. They've got bunks there, uh, and you can stay at the bunkhouse. And bring your horse and, and compete. And it doesn't matter if you're an expert rider or a beginner. You know, you can start at level one. Um, and the jumps are only 18 inches tall. And in the when you're doing mounted pistol and mounted shooting, they don't even have jumps. Uh, they just have the course for the, for the level one riders. So uh, that'll be in April in the spring. And then there's another one, which uh, I just found out about it, is it's called the Eastern Seaboard. Eastern Seaboard Cavalry Competition. They are linked with the International Cavalry Competition. So there's a lot of English and a lot of German and French influence there, and they do tent or, and I'll say they do they do tent pegging with a lance. So oh yeah, it's one more event that um, I know. I have never tent pegged or I've never lance, but I sound like that sounds like a good time. Well, like- <laughs> I've got a I've got a I've got a friend in India that uh, is involved in the tent pegging, and that's really big over there. And man, that is something to see. That is absolutely that's right. Something. That is right. My yeah. friend of mine is from Australia. They 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 do tent pegging, and it was they put on a show, and he put on a show up in Saskatchewan, and uh, you know he he he's one one of the best, and he he does a, a good cavalry rendition of the Australian. Australian light horseman, and uh, so, so it's, you know, the, it's so pretty, the, so pretty, really pretty fascinating. There's 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 only like two, one on the Eastern Seaboard, one in Texas, and then the National Cavalry Competition. So, you know, what I really want to do is like, if there's any veterans out there that have horses, uh, I would love to see I would love to see people come out and and, and enjoy the camaraderie and the pageantry. Well, and I think that's important. That's an important part of, of uh, equine competition is that that uh, you do develop real friends and a real uh, uh, connection with the folks that are involved in that kind of thing. And uh, you mentioned uh, veterans, and so you are really interested in veterans and equine therapy, aren't you? I am, and and I will tell you, you know, I retired from the army in 2015. Um, you know, I was deployed, you know, I was an infantryman, my whole job, I was a desert storm veteran. I was a, I'm a veteran of Iraqi freedom. Uh, I deployed, I've had, you know, a lot of my boys, I call them my boys and girls, you know, uh, they're struggling with, you know, issues with combat. Um, you know, I, I would, it, it is not. You know, it, it, when you truly, I, I can only say this, that Plato had made a comment, that uh, a, a quote, it said, only the dead know the end of war. And and it is every day. You know, it's a struggle every day. And, and um, um, you know, my outlet is my horses. 
Uh, you know, I've taken veterans fly fishing up on the flat tops in Colorado. Uh, you know, I, I have a lot of different, you know, I've taken veterans elk hunting and, and deer hunting and, and um, fishing and, and horses. And I always said that, you know, with with the horse, uh, you know, there's just something about him that just, it just settles, it just settles men and women that are struggling. It just settles them and helps them. And, and uh, I'm a believer because I know what it's done for me. You know, uh, there's been many a nights where I've had bad days and, uh, you know, remembering. And I spend, I spend my time with my horse. I was recently at Fort Deposit, Alabama, uh, was on Southern Horse Talk, and they'd asked me to come down and do a cavalry demo. I did, and I said on one condition that I, I, I do this for to remember the the men and women that 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 laid down their ultimate sacrifice. Um, yeah, that's that's it's really important to me. Um, so. Anytime that I carry the colors or post the colors or anything like that, uh, that's why I do it. Um, I don't do anything for money. I, I, I don't, you know, it's not, it's not what I'm about. It's about yeah. helping, helping men and women deal with their issues and coping with their problems. You know, I've had veterans that, that, you know, just looked at me and said, I don't know what else to do. And I'm like, come on, come on, let's go. Come on, we're going we're gonna to pull your bootstraps up, let's go. We're going to go for a ride. And we go for a ride, and uh, you know it's it's you know it's easier when uh, you've been there and have gone through the same struggles, and and people are looking for answers, and you're like, hey, I don't know if this will help you, but it helped me, and mm-hmm. um, let's go for a ride, let's go let's go let's go groom these horses, and I I did run a therapy unit when I was in the army for uh, uh, for our WTU folks, wounded transition unit. Uh, at Fort Carson, um, my commanding general was 100 percent behind it. He's actually a chairman right now, and on the Gold Star families, uh, Gen- three-star general General Anderson, Joe Anderson, great guy, big advocate for for veterans. I've met Oliver Nord, uh, you know, and, and he doesn't call it post-traumatic stress disorder; he calls it an injury because it truly wow. is an injury. It's not. There's nothing wrong with those boys and girls, or men and women. It's it's you put people underneath that kind of stress for a year and uh, I guarantee you they're all going to have similar symptoms. Yeah. Well, I can't imagine. I I can't imagine. Um, cannot imagine, but I do know that horses are a tremendous therapy and I do know that it is, is actually saved lives uh, from our service men and women that have been through situations and help put families back together as well. So, again, without a doubt. Yeah, I just have to say thank you for your service and uh, for the years oh. that you spent in the military and and uh, the work that you continue to do with our servicemen and women. I think that's absolutely great, absolutely great. But uh, congratulations yes, again on, on your national well, you. championship. I mean, that's pretty stinking impressive. How many folks were competing out in Oklahoma? Uh, we had about 40 horsemen, we had about 40 horsemen, uh, cavalrymen, and, uh, you know, I competed, uh, let's see, and it wasn't, it, it was no walk in the park, I had to compete against a two-time national champion, 
uh, a young lady who who was on the Fort Hood uh, Cavalry Detachment, and she had, she had uh, gotten out of the service, and she came up there with her personally owned horse, and she was, I mean, it was tight. She would get first place, I would get second. You know, uh, I would get first place, she would get second, and it was it was really close. You know, and then we had the combined event of the Bolte Cup, and and it went one, two, three. John, Danessa, and myself, and. Uh, fortunately, I you know everything is based on. Uh, uh, is, you don't need a great horse at one event. You need a good horse that can maintain all the events and uh, yeah. an all-round horse is what. And so my horse just happened to do very well at all the events, and, that, and then, so that was. I mean, we we're. It just seemed like everything was just you know all the cylinders were were hitting all the, all the sparks were hitting all the cylinders, and we were just going. We I was having fun. I mean, I was woohoo. It was a good time, and my wife was there. I mean, it was it was it was a little stressful. My wife got there, and it was I mean, uh, the the it just it was like, all right, we're just gonna execute this, and we're just gonna do it like we did in the backyard, and and we're not gonna think about the next event. We're gonna focus on this event. And, right. Um, so, and when she was done, as soon as I crossed the finish line, I got off my horse, walked her back put a bunch of hay in front of her, put her in the shade, let her drink water. And she, you know, she just, and then when it was time to go again, I go grab her up again and okay, we're going to do pistols now. And we'd run the event and I'd get off her and do the same thing. Uh, I didn't ride her. Oh, we also had an eight mile endurance ride that she had to do also. Oh, wow. At a truck. Wow. Yeah. That was, wow. That was, that was a team event. And uh, so a lot of people don't, you know, they hodgepodge teams together because not everybody has an eight-man team, and it represents a, a historical charge in uh, uh, during Pancho Villa's day with Major Howells, who conducted a, uh, a a charge after a middle middle of the night ride, and so it's an eight miles at a trot, six miles per hour. They get ducted if you come in early or late, and then right. um, uh, then it's based on your hits as far as your you're going to have two targets at the end with a, with a saber and you have to put two hits in the heart. And, but doggone it, I didn't get the second target because the, 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 the bag or the target got hooked onto my saber and I was trying to shake it off and I got, and I went past the other target. And that stuck on my saber. It rained right up to the hill. You ever heard that? All the way to the hill. Oh, yeah. 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 So, so I uh, the plastic bag. I was trying to shake it off the off the saber, and then I didn't get the second target. But oh it happened. Oh gosh. Oh gosh. Well, Sean, you have been a great guest, and if people want to get involved with the uh, uh, the event, uh, Bobby, I know you've got the website. Uh, I do. It is pretty simple. Um, hold on a second. I was just about to post something again. <laughs> it's just uscavalry.org, O-R-G. US and that's for the United States Cavalry Association. And there's lots of wonderful information here. There's even a section about how to um, use the resources there to trace your uh, family history if you have um, any, you know, cavalry members in your history, there's, um, you can memorialize a horse, 
there are different ways. It's a, there's a lot of really great information on this website about what That's the right. association offers. They also put on there in, in the uh, registration packets and also the rules and re- the rules and regulations. They also give you instructional manual on how to train your horse for the endurance ride. Uh, they t- tell you how, what to expect. They send you all the patterns. They tell you the every rule as far as the minimum height requirements and uh, you know what what events they'll be doing on what days. So they're planning it already for next year. Oh wow, wow! Well, you'll be back to defend your title, I'm sure. <laughs> well, I don't know. Well, it's, 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 an every, it's an every other year, and next year might be elk season. I might be up in Colorado hunting elk. I, I'm not sure yet. <laughs> I, I only get to go on one vacation a year, so uh, as you know, with my with my career, so right, um, right, but. Well, good luck to your elk hunting or competing again. So I'll just go ahead and say that right now. But, Sean, you've been a great guest and look forward to having you come back and visit with us again. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. Thank you very much, Gary. Uh, Miss Bell? All right. (laughs) Miss Bell, I haven't heard anybody call you that before. (laughs) (laughs) All right. You got to be there. So we're going to listen to a great song right now called Dark Eyes by Alan Chapman. And when we come back, we'll be visiting with Bobby Bell, Miss Bell, again, in just a moment on South America. Sean, thanks so much. Yes, sir. Bye-bye. While the music plays on and on and on and on and on. 
shining so bright All those dark eyes Dark eyes So inviting So exciting Gypsy dark eyes Gypsy dark eyes Gypsy dark eyes Chapman, and that was Dark Eyes. Bobby, it was so much fun talking with Carolyn today. Oh, it was. Another great show. <laughs> it was a good show. And and uh, interesting conversation with Sean Farnsworth. Uh, I just didn't even realize that all of this was going on out there as far as competitions and that, uh, that the Calvary was still as prominent as it is today. I guess I knew that they did uh, parades and honor guards and and things, but I didn't know about this competition. So that was just super interesting to find out about Mm -hmm. that. But uh, Mm -hmm. anyway, a great show, carolynseals.com to pre-order the CD, return to El Paso, and, um, and you can visit the U.S. Calvary Association. They have a, a, uh, Facebook page that's really good, and also visit their website as well. So, anyway, a lot of fun today. Always fun to visit with Miss Bobby Bell or Miss Bell. I guess I'll have to start calling you Miss Bell. Miss <laughs> <Ms>. Bell, <laughs> I, I, I am I am often uh, called Miss Bell by um, gentlemen, usually younger than me or my age, but from the true sort of cowboy tradition who. Um, it's just proper. It's just proper etiquette. Yes, ma'am. You know, yes, ma'am. Yes, and the yes, ma'am. Yes, and the yes, and ma'am. The yes, it, ma'am. It, I have to say, it makes me feel a little old, even older than I am. But I also understand where it's coming from. <laughs> <laughs> so it's, it's meant out of respect and um, and and love, actually. So <laughs> it, it is. It is. But anyway, 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 a lot of fun today, and uh, you always have some great closing thoughts. Well, I have this one um, actually from Christopher Robin from Winnie oh. the Pooh. Whoa, okay. Promise me, promise me you'll always remember you're braver than you believe and stronger than you seem and smarter than you think. Well, for me, one out of three might not be bad. I don't know. <laughs> Oh, gosh. gosh. Well, we're going to take a break from our live shows for a couple of weeks. You know, I haven't had a vacation in forever. And so we're going to take a we're going to take a break uh, from the live shows. We'll be broadcasting some of our past shows for the next couple of weeks. Uh, I was going back through and three years ago. We did a great interview with Katie Ryan and Don Edwards. We're talking about Coyote, the Don Edwards story. And they're actually going to be showing that at the International Western Music Association uh, in just a couple of weeks. So that should be a lot of fun. Should be a lot of fun. Yeah, Katie's 
Katie's so looking forward to coming out and, and just meeting everybody. And I know we are all looking forward to welcoming Katie Ryan and to be able to see the, um, the film. Looking forward to it, but it was a great interview with Katie and Don. And so we'll be rebroadcasting that in the next couple of weeks, uh, as well as another one of our great shows, by the way, you can go back and listen to over 500 shows, uh, at equestrianlegacy.net and uh man i tell you what we've had some good ones bobby we've had some oh good my ones. goodness they they all how can you pick it's like asking who's your favorite grandchild <laughs> <laughs> oh gosh well anyway it's been fun today and uh we want to remind you that you can always listen to equestrian legacy radio network on our website at equestrianlegacy.net and uh, and listen to those 500-plus shows that are archived there for your listening enjoyment. And I'm telling you, with some of the TV that's on right now, I find myself going back and doing that quite often in the evening. I'll just say, man, I need some, I need a good show to listen to. And, uh, and so that's a lot of fun. Uh, listen to Bobby again this Saturday at uh Mountain Time at KUPR.org for her Out West Hour. And uh, mm-hmm. then it's rebroadcast. It's rebroadcast again when? Tuesday? Wednesdays. Wednesdays at 6 a.m. Mountain Time. I listened I listened to it, you know, yesterday. Great show. Really great show. I'll, <laughs> I'll never listen to it at 6 a.m. in the morning. So. Well, it'd be 7 a.m. your time. <laughs> well, that may be pushing it, but maybe. Maybe, but uh, anyway. Well, listen, it's been a great time today. We've enjoyed all of our guests. We've enjoyed having you listen to us. And uh, we remind you that we'll be back next Thursday at noon Central Standard Time with a rebroadcast of the great show. And then we'll be back uh, live on November the 7th with our guest, Miss Donna Nita. And, uh, and Backcountry Horsemen of America. Mr. Jim McGarvey will be joining us on Saddle Up America. So a lot of fun coming up. And I guess we're going to be back live at the Western Music Association again the following week, aren't we? Yes. Um, yes, we need to figure that out. But, yes, we will be. Uh, We've got the space reserved. So, yes, we will be. <laughs> all right. Well, listen, thanks for listening again. Remind you, as we always do, if you climb in the saddle, get ready for the ride on Equestrian Legacy Radio. And we're going to close out the show today with a fun song, from Olivia Morgan and Kristen Harris, it's called Rawhide. Thanks for listening. Yeah!
Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW group. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.